Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. That's right. This train is building up ahead of steam each and every day that we are on. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey, turn some corners, and maybe pick up a few passengers along the way. So what do we have on tap for today's episode? Even I don't know that. So the best way to find out is tune in and enjoy the ride of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And we're about ready to get this train on the track. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Listening to the A Train Sports Talk podcast. I know you're wondering what in the world is going on. What is that sound? That's the sounds of the South. It's that North Carolina AT marching band. That's right. I'm giving you a little teaser right now because I will be debuting soon a new segment to my podcast. I called it Battle of the Bands earlier, but now that I think about it, I think the most appropriate name for it would be the Halftime Show. That's right. I'm just trying to find new ways to engage you, the listener, to engage with me, poll questions. So let me tell you how this is going to work. I'm on Anchor, as you all know, which is powered by Spotify. Also, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast from your phone or your laptop. But we'll get into that a little bit later. The halftime show is going to be a way for you to listen to engage because, as I said, Anchor is powered by Spotify, which means I will be posing a poll question. And, for example, this is North Carolina A&T. And let's say I play the Sonic Boom. Those of you know, that's Jackson State University. The question would be, which band do you think sounds the best? And that's where you get to cast your vote in the poll question. Would it be North Carolina A&T or would it be Jackson State University? So you will be hearing this show debuting within the very near future since I've teased y'all with two minutes plus of this sound in the background. You gotta admit, sounds pretty damn good, doesn't it? Yeah, it is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and we are going to go ahead and dive into some sports. Did you know the NCAA or the CFP wrapped up this past Monday? And how about the fact that them dogs, huh? I mean, do I have something to even play for them? 
the Georgia Bulldogs. They pulled it off. Do I have something to play for them? Yeah, that's right. The Georgia Bulldogs pulled it off. Knocking off the mighty Alabama. Yes, they were partying in Athens, Georgia. They were also partying in Indianapolis. Bulldogs knocked off the Alabama Crimson Tide. One of my coworkers said it like this. That was a bad thing for college football because the next 10 years, Alabama, as long as Nick Saban is walking along the sidelines in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be showing no mercy on the college football world. So what did you think of it? What did you think of the E-game? I would like to interact with you. What did you think of that national title game? Is it what you expected? Were you looking for Alabama to pull it out and continue to show their dominance? I mean, what did you think? I tell you what I was thinking. I was thinking not again when that score was nine to six. And I'm like, we've seen this play out before. Alabama, LSU. But how about when Alabama went up 18 to 13? And you're like, well, here's the expected outcome of the game. Just what we expect. Alabama pretty much starting off slow, toying with them. And now Alabama's about to open up the floodgates. Well, Alabama had some. Key injuries, key personnel. And I don't, look it, I don't care how good your quarterback is. When you lose your key weapons, and I don't care how good your crop of freshmen may be, they never played on that big of a stage. And it showed. They had a case of the dropsies. The same work, the same co-work I'm talking about said that kid will probably hit the transfer portal. I doubt it. What happened to him is going to fuel his motivation. He's liable to be the starting wide receiver next year. While this Jamison Williams kid getting ready for the pros. Word has it he wanted to come back in, but you're talking about an ACL injury. Nick Saban said, "Mm -mm, not going to happen. But hats off, congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. What I'm going to do, though, because we have the playoffs coming up, and we also have some other things as well, too, such as coaches getting fired. So let's just look at what has transpired 
this week. And will someone please help me out and tell me, what is it with the term Black Monday? Why come it couldn't be called Pink Monday? I mean, in essence, these coaches are getting the pink slip. Why come it couldn't be called Pink Monday? Pink Tuesday. Whatever they get fired. It's a pink slip, a pink slip they're getting. And they're being shown the door. So who is the latest to uh, get the slip? How about David Cully? I know is, it is said that David Cully was a scapegoat from the beginning. Do you agree with that? We're about to find out based on what Jamarcus Spears had to say. So let me pull that audio up. And then we're going to weigh in on the latest casualty of the coaches getting the axe. So here we go right now. Look, from the initial beginning of David Culley tenure, he was the scapegoat. All right? he, the man had to sit up there and talk in interviews about what's the situation with Deshaun Watson. He had no damn idea. And they kept putting him out there on the podium to talk about it and talk about it. Y'all know I brought this up when it was initially happening. So this is what it looks like, America, when a franchise is in disarray. And they have to make a hire. They have to do a lot of other things. But they have to do, like, like the Houston Texans got to do a lot of soul searching about who they are, what they want to be, and how they want the future to look like, and how they can begin to change the narrative of what Houston Texans fans believe about this franchise and organization. So moving forward, every step they make will be critical to everybody's reputation and everybody's decision-making from this point going forward. David Culley got to live his dream, but he was a scapegoat from day one he was hired in Houston. Look, from the initial... So... Do you agree? I mean, yes, he was brought into a situation to talk about a quarterback he had no idea anything about. Pretty sure the quarterback didn't want him as a coach, Deshaun Watson. Matter of fact, Deshaun Watson wanted out of there, and, I, and then everything went to hell in the handbasket with all the allegations. Let me emphasize allegations. Allegedly. Doesn't mean it's concrete. Now, yes, I do wonder why in the hell you got over 20-something masseuses. But still, allegedly. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about David Culley being the scapegoat. And Jamarcus Spears brought out some very valid, timely points. Basically, this man didn't have a leg to stand on. I doubt if he even really met Deshaun. Watson. But yet, like you said, you patro you're patrolling him out to the podium, asking him all these questions as if he really got answers. He was basically winging it. But 
the coach is basically the front man of your franchise at that moment. Show would have to be in this position. And however long the length of his term of his contract was, yes, the Texans is having to pay his buyout. Because technically they really have no cause. I'm going to liken it to this. I called into a radio show earlier today, and I referenced it like this. He basically had a bowl of lettuce, but didn't have all the ingredients to make a chef salad with. That's all he had was a bowl of lettuce. He didn't have all the fixings that go along with making the chef salad. He didn't have the tomatoes. He didn't have the boiled eggs. He didn't have the shredded cheese. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. All he had was a podium and a microphone. After 13 losses against only four wins and a pink slip to show for. And checks coming because I don't think they really had a cause to fire the man. So let's look at this. The Houston Texans fired coach David Culley after just one season. One season. That sound like Kentucky Wildcat basketball, one and done. The Texans fired David Culley on Thursday, a move that came four days after Houston wrapped up a 4-13 campaign in his first season as head coach. I came to this difficult but necessary decision after reviewing our football operation. Texans general manager Nick Cesario said in a statement released by the team, while a change after one season is unusual, we have philosophical differences. Now, y'all differences is y'all don't know what the hell y'all going to do with Deshaun Watson. Over the long-term direction and vision for our program moving forward, we appreciate Coach Cully for helping us navigate through a difficult season. But it is my responsibility to make decisions that I feel are best for our organization. Cully told Houston media outlet Sports Talk 790 and KRIV TV that he had three years left on his contract and that his salary is guaranteed. I'd like to know what that salary is. I loved every minute of being the head coach of the Houston Texans. I appreciate the players and coaches for staying the course with me through the ups and downs of our season. Cully said in a statement released by the team, I'm disappointed we didn't win more games and I won't have a chance to improve on the lessons I've learned. But I fully understand this is a bottom line business and I didn't do enough. The firing comes one year after the Texans hired Cully, a longtime assistant, who became the oldest first-time NFL head coach at age 65. Well, damn. 65? You're looking at retirement. Anyway, Cully hired in January 2021 by the Texas chair and CEO, Cal McNair and Cesario, was the lone black head coach hired last offseason and was one of three black coaches 
in the NFL this past season. His firing leaves the Pittsburgh Steelers' Mike Tomlin as the NFL's only current black head coach. The Dolphins fired Brian Flores earlier this week. New England Patriots linebacker coach Jared Mayo is expected to emerge as a leading candidate for the Texans' head coaching job, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter. We are grateful for the energy and passion David brought to our organization throughout last season, Texas chair and CEO Cal McNair said in a statement released by the team. I have entrusted Nick Cesario to lead football performance, and I have complete confidence he will find the best leader for our team. These decisions are difficult, but Nick believed it was necessary for the future of our organization. Offensive coordinator Tim Kelly was also fired Thursday. On Sunday, after the Texans completed the 4-13 season, Kelly said he expected to return for his second season. However, the Texans Ownership and front office took the past few days to evaluate the coach and decided to fire him on Thursday. Before being hired in Houston, Cully spent two seasons as Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, and wide receivers coach. Cully spent 43 years as an assistant in college football and the NFL. In Cully's first season as a head coach, the Texans won the same number of games as they did the previous season under interim coach Romeo Cornell. Cully did it with a depleted roster in a team and team that has had just one first round pick in the past four years. Houston was without quarterback Deshaun Watson, who requested a trade in January after the McNair family hired Cesario. Less than two months later, the first of 23 lawsuits were filed against Watson, alleging sexual assault and inappropriate behavior. Watson, who still faces 22 active lawsuits, reported to training camp and was on the active roster all season. The quarterback was a healthy scratch for each game. The 2021 Texans were also without defensive end J.J. Watt, who requested to be released after the 2020 season and now plays for the Arizona Cardinals, which I have a problem with that. You grant a request to one, but you send another one through hell and high water. Something about that just doesn't make any sense at all. This season, the Texans dominate the Jacksonville Jaguars in the season opener before losing veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor in week two because of a left hamstring injury. He was replaced by 2021 third-round pick Davis Mills, who went 0-6 in his six starts while Taylor was on injured reserve. After Taylor struggled in his return from injured reserve, he was benched for Mills, who beat the Jaguars and Los Angeles Chargers in consecutive weeks. Houston's offense ranked 31st in football outsiders DVOA under Cully and Kelly. The Texans were outscored by 172 points, the largest point differential in franchise history, according to ESPN stats and information. The Texans 13 losses were the franchise's most in a single season since 2013. So there you have the coaching news, more firings, and how about as we're looking at some NFL news, how about this one right here? 
Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts GM. Chris Ballard won't fully commit to Carson Wentz starting QB for 2022. And there might be some merit to that. See, what some people fail to realize, and we're, I'm going to get into this, but I'm, I'm going off script. The Colts reunited Carson Wentz, Frank Wright, who he basically excelled under in Philadelphia. The Colts were looking at him because they said he is a playoff quarterback. First of all, what playoffs did he play in? Do I need to remind you, he got injured, and then to the rescue came Nick Foles, who not only took him to the playoffs, but also won them a Super Bowl. Fast forward to the year after the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz is named the starting quarterback, appears to be healthy. Once again, he gets hurt. Nick Foles gets them to the playoffs. They didn't have that magical run. Now, you got this two-headed monster at quarterback, but one of the heads on the monster is like, I'm not doing this anymore. If I'm not the starting quarterback, I don't want to be here. And it was quite obvious. Frank Wright coaching in Indianapolis, the obvious choice, went to Indianapolis. In essence, what? You got in Wentz, first and foremost, is he injury prone. Secondly, what you're going to get in Wentz is this you better have. You better have a darn good backup quarterback. The reason there is such a bond between Wentz and Wright because they share their faith together. That's what. That is what has them connected. I have nothing against that. I'm a man of faith. I believe in God too. But at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses on that football field. And Wentz has proven one thing. He can't stay healthy. And what happens if Wentz doesn't have a good running back and Jonathan Taylor behind him? And if you are the leader of your team, you do not darn your lay an egg against Jacksonville on the last game of the season or your playoff life depends on it. Anyway, we have some comments right here. So we're going to go ahead and play that for you right now. I'd like for, you know, Carson to be the long-term answer or, or – Find somebody's going to be here for the next 10 to 12 years. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, man. I mean, I can dream about it and wish about it and do everything I can to figure out the solution, but you do the best of what you can do at the time that you have to make a decision. That's that's how you do it. So could Carson Wentz be on his way out of Indianapolis? Well, Coach General Manager Chris Ballard is not ready to fully commit to quarterback Carson Wentz as his starter for the 2022 season. Sounds like 
Frank Reich doesn't really have a say in this. Ballard made those comments during his season-ending news conference just days after the Colts didn't make the playoffs and Wentz played two of his worst games to end the season. Ballard's comments are eye-raising considering the Colts gave up first and third-round picks in the upcoming draft to acquire Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles last offseason. When we made the decision after Phillip Rivers retired and we made the decision to make a move on Carson, at the time of the decision, we felt good about it, and I still don't regret the decision at the time, Ballard said Thursday. Sitting here today, just so y'all know, I won't make a commitment on who is going to be here next year and who is not going to be here next year. That's not fair to any player. When they acquired Wentz, the number two overall pick in the 2016 draft, the Colts were hoping to stop the revolving door at quarterback that has been turning since Andrew Luck retired in August 2019. Wentz replaced retired Rivers, the retired Rivers, who replaced Jacoby Brissett after the 2019 season. I'd like to quit band-aiding it, Ballard said. I'd like for Carson to be the long-term answer to find somebody who will be here for the next 10, 12 years. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. I can dream about it, wish about it, do everything I can to figure out the solution. But you do the best with what you can do at the time. The goal was for head coach Frank Wright to get Wentz back to playing the way he did when the two were together in Philadelphia when Reich was the quarterback's offensive coordinator in 2017. There was some good from Wentz this season, but the bad, unfortunately, for the Colts outweighed it. It was clear that they were a run-first team with running back Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing, but they also expected Wentz to be able to make plays with when teams loaded up the box to stop the run. That didn't always happen. Wentz only completed 59% of his passes, through just two touchdown passes and had two turnovers in the final two games of the regular season when the Colts only needed to win one to make the playoffs. Wentz, who continued his risk-taking ways, threw for at least 200 yards in only two of the final eight games of the season. In the upset loss to the Jaguars in the season finale, Wentz posted a career-low 4.4 total QBR. Make the layups. Make the layups. Make the layups, Ballard said. Carson wants to win. He has a will to win. Sometimes when you carry the burden where you think you have to make a big play all the time, sometimes let the team help you make the layups. Make the layups. The Colts have some core pieces on the roster in Taylor, linebacker Darius Leonard, and the majority of the offensive line but the possibility of making the playoffs and making a run in the postseason will continue to remain slim until they figure out who the answer is at quarterback. At the end of the day, I think we have a lot of really good players and really good pieces, Ballard said. You have to get stability at the quarterback position. That position has to play up to his potential to help the team win. I'm not blaming this all on Carson. I'm not because everybody else has to do their job too. But the hyper-importance of that position, it's real. You have to get consistency there. Consistency there. The years we've gotten it, we've been pretty good. And we thought we had it until the end of the season. 
something we have to continue to work through. So, there's that possibility. The general manager spoke. And there's a possibility. He's either there or he's not. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to start no rumor. Anyway, it is time for me to take a pause. And when I come back, I guarantee I will have some more for you. So stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported that's right driven by you the listener so if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or hit me up at a dot train sports talk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship rant on this podcast once again a train sports talk podcast your host and conductor anthony smith you're on board the a train sports talk podcast with your conductor anthony smith Enjoy the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, my next segment. I will probably be a little bit all over the board. There are just some stories that just piques my interest. What is on the playing field or maybe it has some to do with dancing. You just don't care. No, 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 you just don't. Just anyway, a story I'm looking at before I get back into the football news. Hope because you just don't care. Grambling State Tigerettes Dance Company will no longer be able to perform at basketball games during the 2021-22 season. Yep, you heard that right. According to the Grambling State Tigerettes dance team, they will no longer be able to perform at any future basketball games in the 2021 season and will now have the Orchises Dance Company in place to perform at all basketball games. We will see how well that plays out. You remember, Grambling State's been under some investigation of students feeling mistreated. This is not a good look. 
The Tigerettes Dance Company says it was unfair for athletic director Trayvon Scott and President Rick Gallup to make a decision to take away something that they have built into a full brand and company since 2017. They explain how the students of the dance team don't receive any funding or scholarship from the university and they've invested their own money to provide the resources and uniforms and other necessities in order to show up and perform. A statement from the Office of Administration at Grambling State University explaining they aren't being replaced. Orchises is the primary spirit group that performs at basketball games during the spring semester. The athletics director provides an opportunity for the Tigers to perform at other sporting and student events and Office of Student Affairs. President of the Tigerettes, Brianna Jackson, says, As a president, I am overwhelmed with the emotions from all the girls. Overall, we feel hurt. Like anything I can say is hurt, and that's the main emotion I get from all my girls. My passion is to dance. For me, it's stripping away something I love to do, and it's really hurtful. Advisor and founder of the company, Lady Black says, we go through a lot of stuff like you guys, but these are students who pay $8,000 a semester, and that's going towards Grambling State, and you're telling us we can't perform at a school that students are supposed to make the decision, not the faculty, so what's the problem? The Tigerettes dance team are currently holding their practice at Paradigm Dance Studios as they aren't allowed to continue practices on the campus of Grambling State University. The Tigerettes have given the opportunity have been given the opportunity to perform at volleyball games and will showcase other events through the city of Grambling in Northeast Louisiana. This is a developing story and trust me, as I get more I will continue to bring you updates on this story. Now, we look at the Deion Sanders effect. Top-ranked cornerback and number two overall prospect, Travis Hunter, decommitted from FSU and is signing with Deion Sanders in Jackson State. Hunter was committed to FSU for almost two years before decommitting. Hunter is a talented cornerback wide receiver. He attends Collins Hills High School in Georgia and led them to a state championship. In the past two years, JSU has a five-star in Travis Hunter, four four-stars, and a host of three-star signees. JSU has become a transfer portal favorite. In the past two seasons, they've had 22 transfers, including 19 in the 2021 season. Players from the ACC, SEC, and Big Ten have transferred to JSU. In 2020, five-star recruit McCure Maker chose to attend Howard. Basketball phenom Mikey Williams has Alabama State and 
NCCU listed as possible destinations for his college career. So that's just something brief on the Deion Sanders effect. Now we're going to look at the way too early college football power rankings. Alabama just took a loss to UGA in the championship. However, Bama will be returning so much talent, including Heisman winner Bryce Young. They're built different. Ohio State finished the season at 11-2, capping their season with a win against Oregon. Quarterback C.J. Stroud and wide receiver Jackson Smith will be returning, and they're going to crush defenses again. The Dogs won the championship, but unfortunately, much of their defensive talent will be entering the NFL. Luckily, Coach Smart has a knack for bringing in five-star talent. Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies gave the Tide their only loss this past season. Fisher has the number one recruiting class so far and expect them to be a top team in, 20, in the 2022 season. Notre Dame had a ridiculous amount of talent returning for the 2022 season. Coach Marcus Freeman did well as the interim after this offseason. The Irish will be among the best teams. So that's just a look at the top projected five teams, so to speak. You may agree with that. You may disagree with that. What I'm going to do now is I am going to not take a break. I am going to look at some college football news. Like I said, we just wrapped up the college football season, but that doesn't mean there isn't some news that's shaping up right now. As Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver Jamison Williams declares for the NFL draft. I think that was a foregone conclusion. Alabama star wide receiver Jamison Williams before go his senior season and enter the NFL draft, he announced on Thursday. A speedy All-American who transferred to Alabama from Ohio State, Williams led the SEC in receiving yards 1,572 and touchdowns 15 this season. ESPN's Mel Kiper Jr. lists Williams as the number one draft eligible receiver and sixth best prospect regardless of position. Complicating Williams' draft standing is an injury he suffered against Georgia in the college football national championship game on Monday. Sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter that Williams tore the ACL in his left knee. Doctors believe that once surgery is completed within the next week, Williams will retain his sub 4-3 speed, and they expect a full recovery, the sources said. Williams wasn't the only Alabama player to declare for the draft on Thursday. Offensive tackle and potential top five pick, Evan Neal also announced that he would be leaving school early. Defensive tackle, Fedarian Mathis, a top 10 prospect at his position, according to Kuyper, declared for the draft on Wednesday. Alabama is still awaiting announcement from multiple draft eligible players, including wide receiver John Mechie III. Mechie led Alabama in receptions, 96, 
and is Kuyper's number eight rated receiver. Stick with the college football news. Old Miss football coach Lane Kiffin to hire his younger brother as co-defensive coordinator, sources say. Old Miss coach Lane Kiffin is bringing in his younger brother, Chris, to join the Rebel staff as co-defensive coordinator, sources confirmed to ESPN on Thursday. Chris, expected to coach linebackers, will team with co-coordinator Chris Partridge to head up the defense. Partridge has been a member of the Rebel staff for the past two seasons and coached safeties. DJ Durkin, who called for the plays, who called the plays for the defense the past two seasons, left early this month to become defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Chris Kiffin, Chris Kiffin was previously the defensive line coach with the Cleveland Browns. He and Lane Kiffin worked together at Florida Atlantic in 2017 when Chris was defensive coordinator on the Isles Conference USA Championship team and at USC in 2010 when Chris served as a defensive coordinator, a defensive administrative assistant. This will be Chris Kiffin's second stint at Ole Miss. He was on Hugh Freeze's staff from 2012 to 2016. RebelGlove.com was first to report Kiffin's deal to return to Ole Miss. In addition, Lane Kiffin was hired, has hired Markel Blackwell from Houston to be the Rebels running backs coach and Nick Savage previously at Florida to be head strength and conditioning coach. Earlier, Kiffin hired Charlie Weiss Jr. from South Florida to be the offensive coordinator. Weiss replaced Jeff Levy, who left to take the Oklahoma offensive coordinator job. The Rebels finished 10-3 in Kiffin's second season in Oxford. It was the first 10-win regular season in school history. So it looked like Kiffin is slowly building up his staff. Well, hour is getting late. And as much as I want to have fun, I have to say good night. But I want to put in a plug once again because coming soon is the debut of the halftime show. That's right. The halftime show. Where you, the listener, will be able to interact and cast your vote on who do you think is the best sounding band. And I can't wait to see how that plays out because it's going to be an ongoing weekly thing. And I want you to listen to the audience to feel free to chime in. Tell me what you think about it. Because you're going to get a lot like this right here.
this happened at that ride like that. That's right. The halftime show will be coming soon. Who knows? It could come as early as this Saturday. So get ready. Cast your votes. Who are the bands going to be that I select? You just have to tune in and listen. Because even I don't know that ahead of time. But I guarantee you, you're going to love it. So I'm looking forward to that new segment, the halftime show coming up. And I'm looking for, based on what I've seen from my 2021 rap, I plan on doing bigger and better things. Getting more interviews lined up. I'm here in Wichita, so there will be a lot of local flavor. But there will also be some national flavor. Looking forward to, if you get a chance to check out the podcast, Girl Chat Sports. Those girls know their stuff, and I've been in conversation with them, and I'm looking forward to getting them on my show. And those of you around this time, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, in particular CBS Sports, there's a young man, JR Sports Brief. Look forward to having him on. So those are just some things that are in the works, and I am excited and thrilled. I've seen that my audience has gone up a little bit. Once again, I don't have thousands of followers or anything like that. But what I do, I have fun doing what I'm doing. And I hope you have fun tuning in and listening. But I'm about to wrap this up. We're about to bring this train into the station. But the weekend is up on us. And I look forward to bringing you some more stuff as we get ready for the NFL playoffs and i think what i want to do just to wrap this segment up i know i told i was gonna wrap it up but i want to give you just a little bit of this right here because i am a dallas cowboys fan and i want to leave you on this note how well do the 49ers match up with the cowboys and then this weekend we will definitely be getting in deep tomorrow for sure on the NFL playoffs. So, how do the 49ers match up against the Cowboys? Let's find out from the panel. So the team nobody wants to play, right? And it's the Cowboys who draw them yeah, first. It's a yeah. bad matchup for the Dallas Cowboys. It's a bad matchup for anybody yeah. in the NFC. I think it's mostly a bad matchup for the Cowboys because the Cowboys' strength is their pass rush by the front. Yeah. Well, that run game is going to minimize that a little bit. A brilliant coach in Kyle Shanahan is going to do everything he can to try to minimize the impact of number 11, mm-hmm. Micah Parsons. Yep. How many different things can you get him to look at to play a little Absolutely. slower? The screen game. Maybe you try to get him running sideline to sideline and the, and the counter action. I also think he's really good at finding weaknesses of a defense people-wise mm-hmm. and attacking those guys. Anthony Brown has been attacked on that coverage, right, 30 for a long time. So yep. I just think it's a really bad matchup for the Dallas Cowboys. Again, I think it's a bad matchup for everybody. Yeah, I, I think in today's football, anytime you find a team that is built on physicality, right. they're bad matchups, right? We, we've gotten into this point where we want to see run and gun. We want to see things spread out. And when you have a team that can directly attack you downhill, it's difficult. But like Dan mentioned, the things that Kyle Shanahan can make you see pre-snap. Right. When we watched the film that Dan just put up, it was about pre-snap motion, right? It was about making sure you put people in bad position. Kyle Shanahan finds the matchup 
matchups that are favorable to him, and he does them in a way where he accentuates the positive yeah. of his star players, and we saw that yesterday. I as think well. as I sit here today on Monday, like if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw that, what were you thinking interception where we just yeah. sometimes he ha I think this 49ers win the football game.